Yebo. Yeah. Can I see the hands of people that are really blessed? I mean, I'm blessed from last night. Oh, I can see it's not only me that is blessed. I'm really, really. This is, this is wow stuff. I'm like uh, sitting there on, uh, and, uh, you know, just receiving. And I, all the years of being a Christian, I've never had an African pastor preaching this way, uh, talking this way. Uh, all these things. <laughs> it is freedom. Until I came to the bay, you know, just hearing the pastor being real, uh, you know, sharing uh, real stuff. And I'm, I was like, still like, oh no, maybe it's the white uh, pastor thing. Never, no, a closer pastor would, you know, say, oh no, I, I, you know, I struggle with anger or all these things, like being real and all that. Because I mean, growing up in a township, in a church, uh, you know, you always look at the pastor as the man of God up there. Uh, yeah. You know, he's the staring of the family. He's the staring of the movie. You know, he knows everything, you know, about everything. You know, as a young uh, Christian man, you know, you want to be like pastor. You know, you want to reach that level. And you always make all these mistakes. And you know, the pastor is like, no, 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 no. You need to be on fire. You need to fast. You need to pray and all that. Pastor, I'm struggling. Uh, now just, I mean, to hear, you know, uh, uh, Brother Africa sharing, uh, uh, you know, it is really blessing me. I'm really, really, really blessed. So thank you so much again, sir, for, yeah, your time and just coming to bless us. And, you know, I, yeah, you're making it uh, look so good. I mean, easy to become a Christian and, 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 and follow Jesus because um, I've been in places where people, they make it so hard. Like, you know, you need to reach that level. Like, you make mistake, and you want to reach that level, but you make it so hard because the man of God has got these pointy shoes. Everything is perfect. Uh, everything, everything. A white suit, and you want to reach that level, but you will never reach that level. But, you know, you, yeah, this is good. No, let me, I'm not here to preach or say anything. <laughs> but, yeah, so, um, uh, yeah, what I'm here to do is to introduce our comedian, yeah, Baba Baba Kuda. I'm, I don't know if I've, I'm, I'm, I'm pronouncing the name. <laughs> oh, you are the Baba Kuda. <laughs> okay. Yes, that, that was a surprise thing. So, th- yes, that, that's good. So, this is our first um, basic men's conference. And first time I was dancing on the stage here. I mean, I did dance before, but this is the first time I was like there. And apparently, it's going to be the first time that I'll try to do stand-up comedy. So, yes, it's the first of, of, of um, a lot of things. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I discovered that if you want to do something for the first time, it's, it's good to, 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 to start, uh, you know, in church, especially something like uh, stand-up comedy. Because if I start in the bar, people, like, they would just, like, throw their canes on me and all that. But then I was clever. I was like, ah, okay, cool. In the church, they have Bibles. So, you guys, when you're angry, just, you know, throw your Bibles at me. It's, it's, it's okay. But the good thing is now you don't have Bible. Like, most people, they don't have, like, physical Bibles. Yeah, you're still who, who had. So, you guys, you can throw your phones at me. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. But only Android, eh? I only take... <laughs> I, I, I only take um, Android. And also, like, in, in church is good because 
Uh, you, you have to use the word of God and all that. And, and I was just reading and thinking about it, that God, do I, really? Do I have to do this? And then I was reminded, you know, about that verse that if you do anything, do it as if you are doing it for the Lord. You know, you're, doing, you're not doing it to please men, but you're doing it to, to please the Lord. So if you guys don't laugh, it's fine, because I know heaven is laughing. I'm doing this for the poor. <laughs> I'm doing this um, um, for God. So we are, we, are, we, we run a home group here um, every Wednesday, and we have pe- people from different places. There was a guy from uh, France, and he, he was like... Um, Living, going to France. So we're just ministering and all that. And said, okay, okay, you can sit at, at the center there and um, we're going to pray for you. So guys are praying and giving word and all that. So now there was um, one of the uh, members, uh, he got this um, radio voice, you know. So he asked, okay, like for us to, to, to read a, way, a, a, a verse for him. So because of the radio voice, I didn't really, you know, hear the the, the what he was saying, but I mean, uh, th- that is, is a known thing because I've been diagnosed by, um, by three doctors, actually, uh, all female doctors. I've been diagnosed with um, SH, that's uh, selective hearing, you know. <laughs> my wife has said uh, I have, se- actually, it started with my mother, says, oh, Caleb, you have selective hearing. And then, then my wife is also, ah, Caleb, you have se- selective hearing. I'm like, oh, I'm actually suffering from this. And recently, my daughter also diagnosed me because I was sitting there, you know, watching Kaiser Chiefs uh, against Orlando Pirates, and I'm, you know, like kicking in. And all that, he comes, daddy, and all that. So, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I go back again. And they say, daddy, daddy. And I'm just there and say, daddy, Caleb. And then I'm like, oh, oh, okay. So he also picked up that I have selective hearing. So now, um, the guy with the radio voice said, um, can you read for, um, you know, he's reading a word of encouragement to the French guy we are praying. He said, um, uh, Proverbs 6, 19. That's what he asked. But me, I heard as if he said Proverbs 6, 9, you know, because of the selective hearing. So Proverbs 6, 19 says, a man has hard plans, uh, plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. So that's what he says. So when he said that, I'm like, you know, when I hit 6-9, I'm like, I checked up. I'm like, do you want me to, to, to read this? It's like, yeah, it's, that's the verse, and we are praying for the guy. And then, so this is how the verse goes. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands? You know, the French girl's like, uh, say what? <laughs> Say so what, what, what? You know, but I, I think it was just, you know, that selective hearing. And, and sometimes it comes to with reading as well. Uh, I, I went to this men's um, um, thing and in, in um, was it Wellington, and then they invited me to, to, to Bri. You know, I'm a Zimbabwean, right? So they invited me to Bri. I was the only um, black guy there. Everyone else is, is, is white and all. So they invited me to Bri. They, they, there's a message. Does anyone want to um, volunteer to, to bring the salad? I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll bring the salad. So I rock up at the Bri, and then I went, the guys are there, I greet everyone, you know, that I got my packet of salad. And then I went to the guy who was, um, you know, doing the Bri. I I gave him the, the, the salad. I said, ah, here's the salad. Then he said to me, where's your meat? I'm like, what? A meat? He said, yeah, you, you're supposed to uh, meat. It's a 
bring him and bring him back, bring him. I said, bring him what? You know, you should understand this. I'm coming from Zimbabwe. In Zim, when you invite someone to your home, you provide everything. You provide meat and everything. Like if you invite six people, then you, you prepare a, a meal for 24 people because those six people also invite their, their friends and just to come. So, so now I'm there, I'm like, what? what? I said, ah, don't worry, man, I'm a TV. I said, TV? Like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm doing this thing, TV. I said, what's TV? I'm a timber vegetarian. Because now I, I, I actually had to, you know, come up with something. So the guys, the bride and all that, when they were eating, so one of the guys, um, the guy was leading, said, nah, it's fine, you can, you can share meat and all that. And now I'm eating. Then the guy says, I thought you were like that. Yes, I said, I'm a TV. He said, yeah, but you're eating, yeah, Stembodar vegetarian, you know. <laughs> it, it, it goes, it goes with, 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 with that. Sometimes you just assume people know things, but I'm coming from a different background. I have a, um, another friend of mine, he's into IT, same um, thing that we do. He's very, very brilliant and it's head-handed every time. But I, I realized that knowledge in that career thing is different from, from, from life knowledge. He's having um, his first baby now, and he was told by the other sisters that you, they are going to have a, a baby shower. And I was surprised, like a 29-year-old guy, he didn't know what a baby shower was. So he actually went to Google. I'm like, we are Googling this. He said, yeah, man, I'm concerned. How do they do this baby shower? I'm like, so what do you think? He's like, I'm confused. No, I'm, I'm worried for my wife. How are they going to put the water inside and then shower the baby? I'm like, hey, man. <laughs> So <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it, 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 it was just amazing. I said, you know what? You need to come to men's group. We talk about these things, and then we, 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 we share this thing. And, yeah, so, like, coming from Zimbabwe, I, I came here. I didn't find work as I expected. I used to go to that robots there, you know, running every time when a car stops. And then I go there. I, I, I'm good at running. I run, and I'll be there first. Do you paint? I you know. Do you build? Uh, 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 no. Do you do this? Uh, no. Because, I mean, I was coming from university. I'm a city boy coming from university. I'm uh, doing my uh, bachelor's in Zoom. So I just came here for a semester break, but I got stuck here. But it's good. Now I'm here. So I later asked one of the ghost guys who asked, do you do this? They say, yes. Do you do this? Yes. I said, so how do you, you know, you guys have trained a lot of things. He says, no, no, no. It's not like that. You just say yes, and you find out later how to do it. <laughs> when you get there. <laughs> And, and so, because I, I didn't, you know, get much work to do, so I would find a lot of time to pray and all that. So we would go and wait at the robots looking for work. When it's 11 o'clock, you know, nothing's going to happen. So I will go to the Zanderfle and pray and all that. And, you know, as, as a young man, I'm still young, by the way, as, 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 as young, so we're just like um, praying and I would make um, uh, covenant with God. So I make covenant with God that, you know what, God, if you bless me, I'll come here with my twins, and I'll come here with my wife. And by that time, too, some, I was dating someone else, not my current wife. So I was actually saying with the names, I'll say the name of everyone here. When I come to thank you, I'll mention the name. Let's just give you a, um, a name, Balak. So I'll say the name of Balak, I'll say the name of the twins, and I'll be thanking you. And he said, yeah, so I made that covenant. And apparently God blessed me. He got me a job, a car, whatever, all these things, and, 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 and two children. A boy and, and a girl. So one day we happened to go there to the Zander Flame. Um, and I was there. 
And God just reminded me, oh, you said you thank me when you come here again. And um, you, you, you mention everyone by name, just thanking me. But now I'm like, oh, okay. I told my, I've told my wife about this story. Now we are there. I'm like, yeah, God. Now should I mention the name? And You know, I, I've never heard a, a man who pray, does a prayer and mention their ex in the prayer. So I didn't know the, how the consequences were going to be. So I just like, um, okay, how are we going to do this? You know, just thank, like, thank you, Lord. You know. Thank you, Jesus. Just waiting for the, for the Holy Spirit to come. And the Holy Spirit does come through. I was taken, reminded of this verse, um, Romans 8.25. It says, we don't know what, to ought, what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. I was like, yes, thank you, Jesus. Instead of mentioning Balago enters, mm, 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 that was it. Thank you, guys. You've been awesome. <laughs> Let's give Caleb another hand. Okay. Uh, as his agent, uh, please book him with me. Okay. Uh, we'll take this further, and the tithes will come to the church. Okay. Well, well done, Caleb. That was awesome. I'm just thinking, he's saying that he was walking there, and I was wondering, how is this going to end off? Because truly, you, should, you didn't want to mention your ex's name at that time. So well done. Okay, what we're going to do now is we're going to move into a time of Q&A. We, we, I'm pretty sure that some of you maybe have some questions, some things that you'd like to ask. And so what we're going to ask you to do is, and we also want to respect time, we want to ask you if you want to make a comment, then let's do that, you know. But if there's something specific that maybe took place last night or this uh, in the sessions today, that you can ask some of those questions, and maybe something that you've been sitting with for a while. What is always helpful is that you start the sentence by saying, I want to ask you a question about someone I know. Oh, somebody didn't get that yet, eh? <laughs> do, you hear, do you hear what I've just said now? So if you want to deflect this, then it's just, I, I know of a friend, and I want to ask on my friend's behalf. Okay, we'll, we'll start there. But I think it's also helpful. We've created a wonderful, and thank you, Africa, for creating such a beautiful safe space. And so we, we want to enter into that time, and we want to hold that in, in such a beautiful way. And so please feel free. We'll, we'll pass it on the mic, and then Africa uh, will be able to, to answer some of the questions and some things that you maybe have. And then what we want to do after that is we want to step into a time of just ministry and just hear what God is saying and doing and also praying, and uh, we want to enter into that as well as we're just looking at, at where we're going Okay, would like to start off maybe something that you, other statement or comment or question that you would like to ask. Please feel free. Okay. Let's go. Sean. Um, yeah, I want to ask a question about someone I know. How does a young man that really loves God but yet is naive to know the world keep his path pure? Okay, you must probably just take one at a time and we'll take it from you. You to do a few? Okay. Africa doesn't mind doing a few, so let's go. Any, any other questions? Maybe I saw some things that has been said also during this conference that maybe stuck with you. And you just need a little bit of clarity as, as well. Not sure? Okay, Caleb. 
Yeah, so just sitting here and listening all to what Africa was saying, just downloading, I was just thinking, I mean, this is amazing. And yes, I, I, I like we are a quite a, a, a number here, but I feel this this needs to, to, to spread. And um, how do we take this out there? You know, more men need to hear this kind of thing. Thank you. Okay, uh, it's from yesterday, I can say last night, I took some notes and he ended up asking most of my questions. So I just want to add on something about career and identity. Um, like when he spoke about when he started doing IT and all that stuff. Yeah, we understand that there are times when you want to, uh, what can I say, when you know you're calling, but your circumstances don't allow you to. So how do you go about it? Like, for example, I'm from Zim. We know like how things are, and you come here, and I know that maybe I have a gift of preaching, but there's a financial crisis here. So how do you go about it? It's kind of difficult to trust God, but how do we survive in that circumstance? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think, oh, wow, that's loud. Um, I think mine's similar to Caleb's in the fact that yeah, is so this has been so awesome and challenging and encouraging at the same time. Um, and while I'm sitting here, I'm looking around, and I was talking to Errol about this earlier, and I see that, I mean, we're a church of four to 500. Yeah, so, 500. so, I mean, I see there's a lot of guys that aren't here that I think should be here. So my question is, what, because I don't, I don't want us to look around and get irritated or bitter or anything. Um, so I want my heart to be in the right place, but how... Can we as men go forward in challenging the other men to be at things like this in a loving way, but at the same time in a challenge? Yeah. Sean again? I get about four questions, Sean, so you use two. No, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, Africa, I want to ask, like, obviously I'm a, I'm a young black man growing up in Africa, and I find it hard to sit in a church that is pastored by most black men because they are seen as gods. How do you go about it in a graceful way when you see your family members going to those churches and submitting to those ministers, but yet in your heart you feel it's wrong and almost like it angers you? Yeah. You want to do a few more? Or we good? I think so. Um, well, I think that the first question, um, to keep yourself pure, I mean, I don't know any other thing except two things. The Bible says, how does a man, young man keep his way pure? He says, by the keeping of God's word. So the internal, now the internal knowing of God's word, hiding the word of God in your heart, is the best defense against the devil's devices. Jesus says the devil, it is written. It is written. Every time he was attacked, he said, it is written. And in those days, obviously, people knew the Bible in terms of what they have internalized. Not, there was no people, they just didn't have to page it all the time. They, it lived inside of them. That's why they could quote it out without looking. They would quote entire chapters. So there was a, there was a culture of memorizing scripture. Even a Muslim does that. They would memorize the whole Quran. So I mean, you must know that we're a generation that has more Bibles than any other generation, but that raised them far less. We have more Bibles than any generation, yet we're most likely the most biblically illiterate generation. Because we don't read them as much as we should. So we should read the Bible. 
So I have a Bible, I've got a year plan, a Bible year plan, where I read the Bible, beginning of the year, end of the year, and then I start again every year. Um, so you read that, and secondly, of course, I don't know anything else that I want to do besides being in the Holy Spirit, that is now spending time in prayer. And when I got born again 20, 23 years ago, we were introduced to prayer, just prayer, just fellowship, Holy Spirit, baptism, Holy Spirit, this. Now, you know, some things are not fashionable right now. The church is like we have moved on, we have now become think to myself, that's crazy. I will not be where I am if I was not always on fire for God. These things, some of the things don't go out of fashion. They remain in fashion all the time. So we need to always be people of prayer, praying in tongues. Uh, it needs to be fashionable again to pray in tongues. It needs to be normal. You know, we do pray in tongues for extended time. Because <laughs> that's where we pray for the unknown. We pull out mysteries. You know, and the things that about us we don't know which God knows are dealt with. We sob, we we travail in the spirit. We birth things. You know, we, we, we move in the spirit. You know? So we learn the, we practice the presence of God, as Brother Lawrence wrote in the book. So we learn that. And so the two things, the Holy Spirit and his word, which, of course, is his word. He wrote the word. So I think those two things are important. Um, of course, the third one is also important, the issue of company you keep. You know, the Bible says, the companion of fools suffers harm, but he that walks with the wise grows wise himself. So the company you keep, if you walk around some um, dodgy people who compromise and to talk about gray areas or white lies or certain things, you are likely to fall into that. You need to, I mean, you can't grow more than the company you keep. So it's best to always walk out, be around people who are more mature than you too. So they challenge it. I'll give you an example. My pastor would pray, would have prayed every morning at 9 o'clock we met. That's when I began ministry. So I joined this guy to support him and to serve under him in ministry as an evangelist. So you'll pray three hours. I couldn't pray 20 minutes. So what would happen is that I'll fall asleep, wake up, he'll be praying, fall asleep, wake up, he'll be praying. So he was, so he would pray, he walks around, he would pray, he would pray. But what happens is praying with him stretched my prayer muscle. It began to stretch my prayer muscle. So I tried, let me just try. So I was trying to, 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 to hang around him as long as I can and by doing so, you end up stretching my prayer muscle. So you are as good as the company you keep. Okay? So it's very important. It's a biblical principle. Right? And then there was a question on how to reach, reach more men. Uh, we, we, we are men, so we know what appeals to men. And we need to be very clear on this. And, and maybe different experience for you here. Most of Christian church is over-feminized. So it doesn't appeal to men. Most of our churches are over-feminized. Church ministry is women. Worship, women, this, women, and it may be different here. So it, that makes, sometimes makes church very unappealing to men. Besides the fact that we fall in love with Jesus, this is the only language we use. You know, so, so it's, you know, so men, so, so men struggle with that. So we need to know how to uh, make it uh, acceptable to men and make Christians. So now if you have men serving in the church, I'm not talking about a patriarchal church where only men are serving. But I'm saying if there's a church where it's normal for men to be in the spirit and to serve God and to be in the worship team and to do children's ministry and to do things that are seen as women roles, it's therefore, it's very, we can therefore keep, win men and retain and keep men in the church. But it takes something else to bring men into something like this. It's a struggle everywhere, you know. So even the guys went to Mighty Men, some of them had gone to Mighty Men under false protest pretext, and they would go there because they thought it's just an outing. And I've got guys who had gone born again in my, in my, in my preaching, guy, guy who says, when he got born again, he never thought, 
I mean, he was 100% racist. And when he got born again, his confession and his testimony, he never thought his deliverance would come through a black person. Because number one, he, in the program, he had already told himself it's not going to come to my session. He had already, he had already marked my session, he would skip it. But then he went to my session with, you know, because he was having drank his whiskey. He was there, he got whiskey, he whiskey in his tent. But God saved him, my session. You know, so, therefore, even at the Mighty Man Conference, it's not easy. We, we have guys at all the Mighty Man Conference we go to, we have guys who are still smoking, who are still drinking, but we want them to come. And some of the over, you know, over Christianized men and religious men think, oh, the but where do you want sinners to be? In the church, with the alcohol. Be okay with it. So, you know, remember, there's cultural clashes now. And African people, alcohol, and this is like, so no, relax. Let the guy come. <laughs> you know, because we just in the, there, people are smoking, even after the session. But we have learned now. So we need to be very okay with how men are in the beginning. Now, if, if you are discipling a person, and um, you have to understand, when you are a fisher of men, when you fish, those of you who fish, you know this, that you don't eat fish right as you catch it from the water. You must clean it. It's not ready to be eaten. So that's what it means to disciple a person. It means that you catch them in their raw state, but you must work with them to process them for them to be edible. And whilst they're in their raw state, they're challenging you, stinking and all the kinds of things with scales and Weekly, and not, you know, you're not sure if I want to go through this process, but then you won't eat as well the benefit. You won't get the benefit of it until you go through the process. So that's what we are. We are that. We are fishermen. We're fishers of men. But men are in that kind of a state. Therefore, they will challenge our patience. You win a guy to the Lord, and next thing, guy is still having girlfriends. They're still sleeping around, and you think just after a year of salvation, you think everything should be fine by now. The guy is still doing his stuff. You're being challenged how patient you are with this person. You know, so that's what discipleship means. So we, we work with guys and we create a kind of... Now, you must also understand that guys generally don't want to be accountable. So it's also gender issues. We are challenging, we're going against a vein and a way of thinking. Remember, guys, are very, we're very secretive people and we always like to put a facade. So, so, so Christianity is, is, is requiring the putting off of the mask. So a guy must feel safe to put off the mask because the mask is what keeps... He felt, he felt safe with the mask. You're telling him to put off the mask. She's like, is it safe to do so? Because I felt safe with this mask. You're telling me now I must put off the mask. Is it safe for me to put? Can I put off the mask? That means you must be the kind of person who makes other people feel safe and put the mask, putting the mask around you. Because now you're going to see them for who they really are. Can you handle it? But one of the things of being a pastor, I think Cheryl will confirm this, one of the things about being a pastor is this. People tend to confess things to you that you think to yourself, she's... Now that people coming out from diagnosed with HIV, the first person they think of coming to is me. I said, you're the first person I want to talk to. I've just been diagnosed. I'm HIV positive. I'm like... Now, I can't let them know that I am... Yeah, I must be like, oh, okay, wow, okay. I'm thinking to myself, whoa. It's a, it's a mess. You know? So people need to know that you are the kind of person for them to trust you with the deep secrets of, of, of their hearts. And um, I mean, of course... The pastor that they can go to, they should be able to go to anyone in the church. Yeah. So when we, when we create... I mean, the more the church grows out of the pulpit into the, 
the, then the more we create what we want from the pulpit to be in the pews. Yeah, because the devil, but when Jesus says, you know, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades and not prevail against it. Hell is more threatened by powerful people in the pews than one powerful person behind the pulpit. So that's the church Jesus is building, where the hell will not prevail against that church, not against its leaders. So the powerful church is the most dangerous thing on earth, not a powerful preacher. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but it, it, takes, it, takes, it takes some doing. I mean, I know I'm a pastor. I've got guys in church who don't come to the party. You know, they're in prayer meeting, don't come to the party. One of the least attended things in the church, anyway, you know, <laughs> is a prayer meeting. Um, a calling versus your practical circumstances. And then you think of money, and then I'm not sure whether you're saying or intimating or suggesting that when you are then called to preach the gospel, you don't have money. I'm not sure what you're saying. You're saying that. You're not sure if there will be provision for you and your family when you're preaching. Well, let me tell you this. Um, I've been in ministry for 20 years. I've never been hungry. I mean, if I were trying to provide for my children by doing my own thing, they would not be where they am right now where they go to a private school. I have never seen God failing me. So when you are in ministry, there are two things that are important. Have you heard God? If it's God's will, it's God's bill. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. And he pays his bills. Did you hear God? That's the question. (laughs) So um, I would have done my children disfavor if I tried to do something for the sake of providing for them instead of fulfilling the call of God over my life. They would have been poorer than they are right now. So you're not helping anybody who's putting pressure on you financially by doing what is contrary to God's will. Because what, what guarantee you have that you won't fall sick there and incapacitated just by being outside of God's will and you can't even work anyway? What guarantees do you have? Right? So, so that's important. Will of God is important. Uncompromising the will of God. Look, <laughs> your gift will open doors for you. will place you before great people. I can't tell you, I mean, I can't tell you, I mean, <laughs> traveling overseas, Staying in a suburb, doing this, doing that. I cannot tell you how I've been able to do the things I'm doing. I have nothing. I have no financial plan. I have no medical aid. I have no pension plan. I have nothing. But I can tell you one thing. I will never go to bed hungry. I've never seen the righteous horse again, and I've never seen his seed begging for bread, David says. So one of the things I determined in my heart right at the beginning of ministry is that I have not signed a vow of poverty by coming to ministry. So I did not say yes to the ministry in order for me to be poor. So, Lord, let's settle this. I've been poor. All, I told him. I spoke to him. He said, look, I've been poor all my life, and you and I, you know that. So let's not mess up. You know I grew up poor. So let's settle this now. There's guys who signed, who've, who've made a vow of poverty. It's their job. I will not make, I am not dumb. I am me, and I'm not one of the poor. <laughs> 
and I need you to provide for me. Right? And it's not failed me. So, therefore, people who struggle in ministry financially, I can tell you this without any sense of fear, are often people who some of them may not have heard from God. Some of them have heard from God, but they have not heard from God where to serve. And I'll tell you one thing. The biggest mistake we ever do in ministry is to think ministry is about activity or what you do. Ministry is about serving. Therefore, you must find a serving station where you must serve. Where you, so when you serve in a ministry, most of the guys who start the ministry right now do not serve anybody, but they want to be served. They start their own church. That's not the place to start ministry. You, you start serving somebody else. Then you are released from that. You are sent out. There's no one in the Bible who went out because they heard God. Everybody was sent out. They were under a covering. They were sent out. So I found that most people who make it well in ministry are those who come from a ministry that are established, who, who, who discipled, who are, who are sons, who grow up, who are trusted, who have been proven, who have been tested in the house before they are sent out there. We know them, we've seen their character, we've seen their gift. They don't claim to be gifted by themselves, and they know and their children and their dogs and, and their wives, only they know they're gifted. We also can testify that they are gifted. Therefore, we can, we can speak like Paul about Timothy, receive Timothy, my son, because I know him, I've tested him. You know? So, that to me, I've not, therefore, I, I don't see this poverty in the ministry business where it comes from. Uh, the poverty in the ministry has to do with us being out of alignment. Right? So, because my pastor had a walk by faith himself. Okay? People struggle in the beginning. You have started to get, they repossess their furniture, repossess his car. When I was there, I saw things happen. But I also saw restoration. So I saw both sides. I, like Paul, I know what it is to be rich and not to be poor, but in all things I've learned to be content. So I've seen my pastor, I've seen the sheriff coming into his house, taking the furniture, and we had to sit on, because his house was where we did our ministry office. We sat on the floor. But I saw him as well when he trusted God. So, so in other words, I've seen him down, I've seen him up, so I can trust him. So I've seen him, I've seen him on the mountain, I've seen him in the valley. So I didn't just see this powerful man. I know this man up and down. So I've seen his wife crying. I've seen things happening. I've seen issues happening. So when he runs the church now, close to a thousand people, and he's got a message. And someone says, your pastor's got a message. But he didn't start the ministry with the message dispense. The ministry to a thousand people, I saw him raising, growing it to where it is by faith. And therefore, God is not respected of persons. If you can do it for him, he also can do it for me. Because why, 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 why would he not? Why would he still my father? So I think now being under him, I know what it is um, to walk by faith, but also what it is to manage and steward what the little God has given you. How to be, how to be, you know, steward your finances. How to be, you know, work work well with what you have. Not not desire things that are, that are not, you know, leave other people. I would sit in meetings, Sheldon. Where people put up and we sit in the meeting and we put our cell phones and everybody puts an iPhone and, and I'm like, this is a standard. And I'll sit with people, they put, I, I'm like, you feel pressure. You think in the minister you don't have pressure. Peer, peer pressure goes with us until we are adults. We have peer pressure. We are 40s, we still have peer pressure. Yeah, yeah. But I, I immediately I had to wake up and raise us that I'm being immature about this. I don't know what this guy's financial status is. Therefore, I don't need to compete myself with him. Let me just be myself. I don't know what this guy is. I don't know where he gets his mind. I don't know what's going on in his life. Let me not allow his life to pressurize my life. Right? So, therefore, for a while in ministry, I get a lift from somebody else. I don't have my own car. But that's fine. 
When did I first get my own car? Same thing. My gift is open doors for me. I don't qualify for a car installment. The bank won't give me finance, but God knows I need a car. So what does God expect me to do? On my knees, trusting God, be faithful. Then somebody decides, I just was in prayer and I feel, yeah. (laughs) So I'm trying to say to you that, just, just, I mean, you know P. I've stayed in Blue Bay. I've stayed in Linkside around Mill Park. I've stayed in Bridgemead. I've stayed in Summer Strand. You know P. All the suburbs I've stayed in, I don't know how I managed to stay there. You know. <laughs> These are exclusive suburbs in P. I've stayed there. People say to me, one guy says, why do you stay in the township closer to your people? I'm saying, there's people there also in where I stay. What do you mean? There's also people there. <laughs> My people are everywhere. Why must I stay? Because for them, it's like, you're a township pastor, you must stay in the township. I said, no, 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 no. My geographical location is not, it's, it's not, right? So my children have all the time, they've known one thing. They've known what it is to go from their house, into a car, into the school, and back. They don't know what poverty looks like. And they will never know it. Because part of the things I did before I came to ministry was to make a covenant with God. I told God, I told God. That my children will never go back to go to bed hungry. You, you and I must sort this one out. You don't want to give me children, and I'll never see my children. Ne- my eyes are not built to see my children hungry. I don't have, I don't have the heart to stomach it. So please don't mess me up. You can make me hungry. We can sort. We can work that one out. I can begin, but don't let my eyes see my children hungry. Therefore, I have to walk by faith to force this thing through. I'm a first generation Christian, so everything that happens, it's me. Cut, charting a course that no one has walked in. I'm a pioneer. <laughs> so I say, this is the way we walk. So my wife is a quantity surveyor, project manager. She's, so she's qualified. She's more qualified than I am. So when we got married, she was earning twice than I was earning. <laughs> now, cal- now, how do you do that for, with culture? For culture. My wife is earning twice than I'm earning. Then, after two years, three years of getting married, my wife decides she doesn't want to work anymore. When we know that this woman's salary is like enough to make life work for us. She decided, I said to her, you work, you don't work, it's your choice, but never work to provide for us. You don't work to provide for us as a family. That's between me and God. If you choose to stop working, it's not a problem for me. I'm, I'm, I'm game for this. I'm equal to this task. I'll sort this one. It's, it's between me and God. What you guys eat is never your situation. It's an issue between me and God. He brought you into my life and I shall not fail this task. She's not been working for nine years. We have never been bad hungry. And our life has improved further on without her working. Right. So it's a, it's a faith walk. It's not a fact walk. It's not a fact. It's faith. Nothing makes sense sometimes in, me, in the things of God. But he does. He makes sense. Right. So I'm just saying to you, if you're going to talk to me about black tax and expectations at home, and you want to submit to that and succumb to that, if you have the stomach to disobey God for whatever he's asking you to do, you can do that. I don't have it. I don't have the stomach to walk. And First of all, I don't have the stomach to live with a conflict, schizophrenia, where I know I'm supposed to be here and I'm here. I don't have that ability in me. I can't live forever doing that. Somewhere, somewhere I can't, something has to break. Right? So I can't go to ShopRite and pack people's bags. I just, it just won't work. Sooner or later, I'm preaching the whole thing, and I'll be fired at the shop, right? Or I'll be praying in tongues, the next thing they'll fire me. It's just not going to work. 
I mean, it's, it's just not going to work. You won't all get saved. You must get saved. You're going to go to hell. I'm the next thing they'll say to you, fire this guy. Because the thing, the who I am will eventually come out. That this one is a Jonah who's in the sheep running away from his mission of Nineveh. That's why the sheep is sinking. They have drawn me out. Okay. So I, mean, I, really, I really believe that if you were like that, maybe you're asking generally, but if you were that kind of person, my advice would be immediately submit to a senior leader to guide you. If your person's been trained to be a doctor, want to be a doctor, find a doctor. If you want to be an engineer, you don't know what it is, I find a senior engineer and submit to him. Let's learn the principle of submitting and serving somebody else without looking for a reward. To gain experience and learn this thing of volunteering. Not working for money, just volunteer and learn, ask questions, find a mentor. Let's stop this vagabond individual and know it all attitude. Right? There's nothing that is new under the sun, Solomon says. So there's nothing you're going to do that nobody has done. So you're not, a, you're not the one starting this thing from scratch. Ask somebody who's done this thing and ask him, can I understand you? Don't have to pay me. I just want to come into your practice and just serve and serve and serve and serve. If he thinks you're good enough, sooner or later you'll find him, just keeping to say, okay, I'll give you pass fair at least. The next thing you're growing from one level to the next level, the next level, the next level. I'm sure there's going to be somebody who can take you in if you ask nicely enough. And you don't have an arrogance, a steely spirit. I'm sure there will be somebody. And that will save you a lot of trouble. Working under somebody will save you a lifetime of pain. Because you won't repeat the mistakes. The mistakes he has done will be for your lesson, for free. All the steps he has done wrong are for you available, for free lesson. You don't even have to do them. So like you like you really, okay I don't have to go there because it's already told me you know <laughs> you know what I mean so some of us make mistakes that are unnecessarily because we want to experience it ourselves experience is not always the best teacher like you never know, tell me that if my, the car will break my leg I must go no I just know it I don't have to experience it if the car comes in here my leg will break and fracture I don't need to experience that my theory is enough I don't have to you tell me from the roof down it's force of gravity will I say I know. I've not done it before, but I already know. Yeah. Down from the roof, down here, breaking legs. That one I know I don't have to experience. <laughs> <For the question>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. What we're going to do is we're going to invite Adi uh, to come and minister a song. And then after that, we're going to invite you to join us for ministry time. Um, Coming close to the end of this conference. Tomorrow morning at 9.30, Africa will be here, and uh, he's going to share God's word, and then we're going to spend some time. I see those hands, Tabo. You want to raise a question? Sure. So when you know that uh, God has called you to full-time missions, uh, you are a missionary, um, and you've seen God's faithfulness, I mean, God providing, and I mean, and now you like um, have this desire of uh, starting a business, wanting to go into business, I mean, because to generate funds for your family and also to um, help um, uh, families, I mean, help uh, people that are needing jobs. But you're not doubting God, but you have this desire of um, starting a business. I mean, what do you, um, what is your take on business and missions? Like, mission, uh, yeah. 
<laughs> I tell you, it, it depends. I mean, there are some people who carry two anointings, the priestly and the kingly. And if you carry that, you carry that. You don't have to submit to some doctrine that is not correct, that you can only do one, you know. But those doctrines are man-made. If God says to you, you carry both anointings, you're a king and a priest. Be a king and a priest. David was. You know, so you do that which God says you must do. But you don't do things because you feel like you must do them because you must support. You don't do things based on circumstance. You do because of calling. Because business will be challenged. When anything is challenged, if you've heard God, you can endure the challenge. So now that God spoke to me, therefore I cannot, I'm not going to pull back because there's economic conditions that are different. You will flourish even in famine when God spoke to you. Like Isaac dug wells and found water when there's famine. Because God's blessing was upon Isaac, regardless of the land. So when God spoke to you, he spoke to you. And in fact, it would be beautiful for me uh, to be on missions and you're not one of those begging missionaries. You're on missions and you're so free and you are a blessing, in fact, to those who come to instead of coming there with a sack to collect an offering every time you preach. It would be wonderful if God gave you the anointing for business because then you can only... One guy in PE who's wealthy, he, said, he wants to say that God, he said, devil fears two things about me. He fears my prayer, also fears my checkbook. Because with my checkbook, I can do the things I pray about. <laughs> I can make them happen. <laughs> I can sign it. Like, so it's beautiful not to be a burden. Like Paul says, I've come to you, I've not been a burden to you. We work with our own hands. We build hands. So, so when, when you're bivocational, God allows you to be bivocational, then it's beautiful. Some people are like that. I've got... Pa- ministers who are pastoring churches but they're actually the one financing the churches because God gave them wisdom and they're still pastor very well but they're also good in business and their businesses supports the ministry instead of the other way around in fact I would love not to be paid by the church anything yeah. ideally I would love that so that people don't think that you owe your good preaching to a salary so when you rebuke them now you're concerned about they may not <laughs> you get my point <laughs> 